This holiday season, we all wish for hope and healing. Children and families who spend their holidays at the hospital deserve a reason to believe in first steps, in giggles, high fives, and hugs. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided world-class care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to help patients and healthcare heroes this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org slash holiday. That's childrensnational.org slash holiday. Okay, and welcome to the Tavern's Right Night. It is March 7th, Saturday, March 7th, and this is our premiere episode of Right Night. And tonight's topics are, oh, you know what? I have no clue. Uh, Writer's Drive and Hard Lessons. Um, I'm your host. I'm Travis Sivard. I have published, oh, a couple of books here and there, and I am working on my latest, which is Book Two in the Portal series, Figments and Fools. Just started it this morning, did about 3,000 words today before I needed a nappy. Let me introduce everybody else here. Hello, Chris. It's, I'm just going to introduce, going clockwise around the screen, so just above me is Michael Thompson. Introduce yourself, tell them who you are, what you do. Hello everyone, my name is Michael Thompson. I'm an author and illustrator. I write fiction of, of different genres and, and for different age groups, and my latest is the fourth book in the Chicken Boy series. It's a humorous superhero action adventure. Chicken Boy and the Might of the Monkey Man. And just because I can, here's the first book of his I ever read. So, hey. And we'll talk more about that during the show tonight. So, moving clockwise from there, Aaron Kennedy. You guys might know him from Stealing for Survival, our Sunday night D&D game. Hi, uh, I'm Aaron Kennedy. I write the... Uh, uh, I'm more of a technical writer and a sci-fi writer. I write, uh, wrote the Ships of Valor series. I just went and linked that one. Uh, first book was Persona Non Grata. Uh, second will be, uh, book is uh, Politicus, which I'm working on now. Um... I've got a couple articles published in uh, the NCO Times and, uh, or excuse me, the NCO Journal and the Army Times under leadership, uh, and then I've got my sci-fi works that uh, self-published. Which, by the way, Aaron, a quick side note, uh, and then we'll jump over to Tempe. Have you read or watched The Expanse? No, I have not. Okay, I've watched uh, five episodes and read the audiobook of book one. Good stuff, worth checking out. Oh, check. I've heard wonderful, wonderful things about it. I was waiting for the series to complete so I could binge it before I cool. got into it. Okay. Now let's jump down to the actual talent in the room. <laughs> Tempe Wade. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You said I didn't have to take my pants off. <laughs> no, no. I, well, I demanded that mine. you don't. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm Tempe Wade. I'm the writer of the Timely Revolution book series. Um, I currently have four in the series published now. I'm about to put the fifth one out. Uh, I've got three more written. I'm working on the next one, and I've got another romance novel series that I've started that I'll be getting out soon, too. So, Magnificent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... These here, these are a few of my writer friends, which, by the way, you know, I want to say hello to Toei, who popped in. There's Toei's book right there. Toei might be joining us for a show down the road also. At least I'm hoping she will, because she's quite the talented author, as well as 
she wrote some of the roots of my role-playing game background with tunnels and trolls and yeah everybody oh, there's spacey tracy yeah. thank you for that subscription i'm so happy to see you here spacey Even tracy oh. is here just subscribed here's to you hi all there you go which by the way in, in case anybody doesn't know spacey tracy is michael's mom Hi, Mom. <laughs> Hi, Mom. Uh, and I tell you what, when I'm Travis, not at a convention... Travis, his roommate, sir. His roommate. Oh, I mean, I mean no, no. no. That's if he lived further south. Um, <laughs> I tell you what, when I'm at a convention, I like hanging out with either one of them. They're both, Depending on who's working the table, I can always hang out with the other one. They're, they're fun. Momager. Okay. That's her. So we've done our intros and everything, and I will get a theme song for us so we have some kind of intro theme song. Mez, how are you? Mez is joining us from the UK. Um, we might have some folks from Australia and Greece joining us also. We've got uh, a hell of a crowd to open our premiere show with here, and mm -hmm. I'm excited to see uh, really all of them. Wow, a few people I haven't seen in a while. I won't call you guys out if you're lurking, but I am glad to see you. You know who you are. Okay, so tonight's topic, at least for the first hour, because the way this show is going to work, we're going to... Oh, thank you for those bits. Thank you there, Tracy. As you take probably the bit lead, or close to it. Jewel, how are you? Um, oh. Princess, how are you? Thank you for dropping in and following. Appreciate that. Ah, oh, appreciate that. Shiera, am I saying that correct? If not, spell it out phonetically, we'll get it. So, tonight we have two topics. First hour, we're going to talk about something creative. The second hour, we're going to talk about something technical. Since it's our first episode, and you guys probably know me, I'm going to do more of the interview thing with these guys right here. And the first half is going to be Writer's Drive, where we discuss what brought us to be writers, to decide to be writers, or not decide, as the case might be, depending who they are. And then the second half, hard lessons. Basically, the shit we've learned the hard way. <laughs> oh, is that one of your friends there, Tempe? Yes, yes. Actually, she, I did for her what you did for me. I sat down and had lunch one day, and she's got her first book published out. Now, so. Yay. Yay. now, is this the Sam that you mentioned earlier? Uh, this is uh, Samantha Parrish. She has a new book out called uh, Ingenious Inglorious Ink. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, but I, I did the exact same thing that you did for me. Sat down and had lunch, worked her through some of the issues, and her, she's got her book out. So That's awesome. You know, I actually wanted to talk to you about that because when... Tempe decided to do this, which was only like, I don't know, 20 days ago that Tempe went, I'm going to be a writer. Um, she came to different people, myself included, and as far as I know, it's natural for me to go, great, let me tell you what I can. Let me help you. And I did. And she moved forward with confidence and ability and talent. And just a couple weeks ago, I heard her mentioning other writers who are basically being assholes. I, I don't have a better word. They're not being supportive. They're actually trying to block new writers in some way, and I want to talk about that at some point in time tonight, Tempe. So if you keep yes. that in mind and work Absolutely. it in, because I'm curious, 
What? <laughs> no. Yeah. Yep, I got that one. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, you know what, Tempe, we're on you. Let's start with you. What's your story? Why, why are you a writer now? Okay, you know, I'm, I'm the newest writer of the bunch, I'm sure, because I just started, like, the summer before last, writing. Um, and I had an issue where, I had a health issue. I woke up one morning, part of my sight was gone. And it was just, no explanation, just gone. Mm-hmm. And I knew you, Travis, from conventions, because um, I would do some sewing, stuff like that, take them out, set them up and sell it. And I couldn't do it anymore. I needed something else to do. Do you want to go ahead and mention Purveyor of the Unusual? You want to drop a link for that? Um, yeah, I can do that. Um, Purveyor of the Unusual is, I actually had that business before. Um, and it is a prop business where I make vampire hunting kits. And uh, I actually had one of them that showed up on Preacher. They used mm-hmm. it on Preacher. Uh, so that was kind of cool, but you know, I, I was having a hard time seeing how to do some of this stuff and I needed a, a, a different avenue. I needed something else to do. Um, and so MarsCon was coming up, the sci-fi convention that we have here in Williamsburg, which you, Travis and Mike are very familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, they were doing, they were looking for short stories and I said, okay, well, I'll sit down and I'll write something. I'll submit it. I started 30 days later. I had 93,000 words, and I'm like, hey. eh, I'm a little past that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and I just kept writing. And like I said, it's it's been a year. By December, I had the first book published. Um, I have four published now. The fifth one is getting ready to come out. I've got three more in that series written. I've got another romance series that I've started. I just haven't stopped. How many words going. do you average a day? Um... Some days I average zero. Okay. <laughs> uh, a lot of days I stare at the screen. Um, but, you know, when I first started writing, you know, 93,000 words in 30 days, you know. I'm not so for you guys that, sitting here watching me and I'm putting down three to 5,000 a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brand new writer yeah. was dropping more than that every day. So that, that's not a bad thing. And by the way, I'm surprised that somebody of your height has such a problem writing a short story. Oh, oh, you had to go there, didn't you? You had to go there. <laughs> they, the viewers don't know. You could be six foot tall for all they know. <laughs> I'm four, look, I'm 4'11 and three quarters. I was watching I was watching Naked and Afraid the other night, and there was a guy, he's a dwarf, and he said, I'm 4'11 and three quarters, and I'm like, so am I a dwarf? <laughs> no. I must be a dwarf. <laughs> no, I, that, that's a specific medical condition. Right. Yeah, yes. so <clears throat> you can be short without being a dwarf, and you can be a dwarf without short. being all that short. Um, right. I've always liked short people, speaking as a very tall, short person myself. Woohoo, 5'9". That's never, never not, not even when I'm wearing my heels. So. <laughs> uh, okay. I need those back, by the way. <laughs> yeah, once you finish your installment plan. Okay, so Aaron, let's let's pop over to you now. Okay, um, really, uh, I kind of got into the writing side of things back in high school. Didn't really do a whole lot on there, but I started getting into the the story development side uh, between um, the Robert, uh, excuse me, 
the Raymond Feist novels, the Magician mm-hmm. series. Yeah. Um, and then Chris Claremont's run on the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Claremont was a big guy on dropping plot seeds, which were amazing. He'd run a story, two, three comics, and then he'd go back and revisit a seed that he dropped two, uh, two episodes back, if you will. Uh, and it kind of reminds me modernly of the Buffy series, previously on Buffy, and then they do a quick excerpt, and you're back to that section of the story. Um, I joined the Marine Corps, and then there's a lot of downtime in the Marine Corps. It's great to believe that, oh yeah, running and gunning all the time, but one, look at me, that's not happening, and two, um, you spend six months on a ship doing nothing, staring at a wall, so you're either reading, um, doing a little bit of work here and there, but it's mostly busy because the Navy's doing all the work on a boat. Right. Um, uh, so I started typing up. I started honing the craft, if you will. Um, then kind of got into D&D and then writing campaigns on that stuff. Um, and that, in, that was a creative outlet for me there. And I had a couple starter novels that I began working on, but didn't know how to finish them. Right. Uh, but during my time in the Marine Corps, I was a technical writer. I'm an intel analyst by trade. You know, Aaron, I so, was about to say, we all have those starter novels that we didn't know how to finish, but then I look at the other two people on the screen, and yeah, I can't say that, can I? <laughs> go, <laughs> well, go no, there's nothing wrong with a starter novel. I mean, I've... One second here, because... I thought he's here putting out is... the hand puppets. Shut up! Uh, these, these physical pages are printed off 15 years ago uh and they sit there until i can figure out how to revisit them um i did that electronically today where i was checking the notes before i started writing the book that i was starting mm -hmm. this morning and some of the notes were from 2008 or actually like parts of stories that i had started novels yep so how do you go from that to doing it and why? Okay. Uh, what, what caused that? Uh, what triggered? Well, I, so when I finally got off my ass and started finished my bachelor's degree, 15 years after getting out of the damn Marine Corps, uh, I got into a master's program, and I was sitting there writing nonstop. But it's all technical. It's all dry, and it's boring as shit, especially since you're repeating um, a lot of the same information over and over again because of the citations, same authors, things like that. Mm -hmm. I needed another creative outlet. Instead of D&D, um, it became writing. And then the seed concept for Persona Non Grata came out. And it's Odysseus in space. That's all the story is. Okay. Um, uh, a guy is coming home from war and finding out that, oh, there's trials and tribulations along the way um so i did that and i did some of the um more persuasive style writing for nco journal um and then the army times one on uh leadership and sleep effect and the other one on well one on leadership uh and physical fitness and the other one on leadership and sleep de uh, deprivation uh, but writing persuasive articles using dry material is a great outlet as well because you start figuring out how to maneuver conversations when you're not using dialogue. 
Very important. And that's actually a, a really good tool in the writer's toolbox, which writer's toolbox is a phrase I got from Stephen King's uh, on writing memoir of the craft, which by the way, even if you're not a King fan, I recommend the book as a writer. It's an interesting read. <clears throat> Hold on. There's a cat directly in front of the mic. So, <laughs> but before we go on with that, because I will refer to that on occasion, because I feel it, it's worth referring to Aaron, are you good? Can I jump over to Michael? Uh, no, no, please, please. It's not like we won't be here forever. <laughs> forever. Immortality. Michael. So, uh, yeah, what got you moving? And did you ever have a starter novel, or did you just, like, write a book and, bang, put it out? Uh, yeah, I had I, I wrote a lot of stuff that I haven't published. Um, but I started, I wrote my first book, uh, when I was nine and I was in fourth grade before that I was illustrating everything I didn't have any words on the page um, so I was drawing all the time and you know the old saying selling like hotcakes what does that even mean what is a hotcake anyway they should change it to selling like Hondas because right now Hondas are selling faster than ever probably because they're so rugged long-lasting and fuel efficient and if you want one you should get to your local Honda dealer right away Check out the 8-passenger pilot, or maybe the adventurous passport. But you gotta do it fast, because Hondas are selling like, well, Hondas. New models are arriving now. Don't wait. See your local Honda dealer today. Hi, my name is Joe, and I'm a home decor overspender. Hi, Joe! I made a breakthrough. I found HomeSense. It's unreal. So many brand name sofas. I bought one. Oh, wow, really? It's okay. The price is so low. Lighting, unexpected. Rugs, handcrafted. Wall art, eclectic. I go back like every week. <gasps> no, it's always different. New unique decor, same great savings. Every time you go. Field trip! HomeSense, standout pieces, outstanding prices. Uh, my teachers from kindergarten through third grade just were, they, they hated it. I would, I, would, I would do the work, but every white space would be filled with epic battles and superheroes and monsters <laughs> and explosions. And um, my third grade teacher especially didn't like it. Uh, I, I was doing this thing, I was always, I wanted to create something all the time, so we had these index cards that were a required material, and I was drawing monsters on them, and I made these little monster cards that, I made this like trading game, because mm -hmm. um, Pokemon was really exciting at the time, so right. I immediately wanted to make my own uh, creatures, so I did that, and um, it was after school, we were waiting for the bus, uh, we were sitting in the, in the classroom, but waiting for the bus, and and uh, my friend said, oh, hey, Mike, could you could you draw me, you know, whatever monster? And I said, sure. And so I drew him a monster. And right as I f was handing it to him, the teacher comes by, snatches it, holds it up in front of the class and says, this is a distraction. And then she rips it up and throws the pieces on us. And then she sent me to summer school because I was too distracted. And so what, so what was, was your grades like at that age? Uh, oh, man, I was they were fine. Uh -huh. it, it, it was just. There was a they, they had there was a big emphasis on packets, so every time I would come home with a packet that was this thick, that was just filled with busy work. Just imagine any type of like you know, circle the words and like just it's just thick. Anyhow, um, but those would all be filled with monsters and stuff. Um, well, real quick, so I end up in, I end up in summer school. If I can read a comment related oh, before it. we get too far away from what you were saying, uh, 
Princess there says they were trying to hold back your awesomeness. How dare they? I understand, (laughs) you know, you're at school, you got to do the school thing. But if you've done the school thing, right, then why not? I think exactly. And I never, I never ever like cried or was upset about it. It's just something that I I could not not help but do. (laughs) (laughs) I I just couldn't help but do it. And um, you're just constantly. As a creative person, especially at that age, it's like it's when like all your wheels start turning. And you start making your your own stuff. Um, but nevertheless, I ended up in summer school, and I sat there and I was like, okay, I'm going to suppress every natural inclination to make stuff, and I'm going to focus. And I fold my hands and I sit up straight. And then the teacher comes in in summer school and he says, okay, we're gonna make a comic book and make some uh, make some characters. And I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> My whole world was turned upside down. His name what the was hell kind of punisher is this? <laughs> His name was Mr. Arisich. He was the greatest teacher uh, I could have asked for. And um, we just we just made stuff. He had this incredible creative element to his class. So, um, and I was coming home, and I had more material than ever before. And uh, my mom went to the principal and uh, for the next school year, and then, like, he, he taught fourth grade. And so, um, basically like wrote lots and lots of letters and went in and said, and said, you know, he had a great connection with this teacher. Can you transform it into the class? And the principal's like, you want me to take the class is already made. Do you want me to take one kid out of the, his class and put him in? And she's like, yes. Um, <laughs> but I think what ultimately happened was I was just added. So there was just an odd number of kids. Um, but I, I ended up in his class and it was the same type of super creative class and he had this writing journal where we could uh create characters and do bios and stuff and that was that was the thing so so his emphasis was create create stuff but make a story after you create it think you know if it's if it's in my case a superhero how did he get his powers and all that stuff if i can real quick again just stopping you before you get too far princess says those moments definitely help by being the blessing in disguise i've had that happen before John of Conquest yes. Publishing popping in. We might have him on eventually. Um, says, what comics? Mez says, sounds like an amazing teacher. Here's what I'll tell you, guy. Anybody who helps creativity through encouragement, through activity, through anything, your mother did it, that teacher did it, we've all had these people in our life. Just here's to those people that help us be not only what we are, but more than what we are through other people enjoying our craft yay mom you go mom Mm -hmm. (laughs) michael thank you for pausing go on uh so when i was in his class i created uh i created my first uh fully fledged character i think cold blue science x100 it was chicken boy and i created chicken boy when i was watching an animal rescue show i loved animals and superheroes so i want to make an animal superhero Mm -hmm. and i saw this baby king vulture on the screen and um, he was being nursed back to health. He was a tiny, tiny little guy, and he had these puffy feathers and these feet that were too big for his body. I thought he looked really funny, so I decided to cartoon him wearing a cape. And I didn't think Vulture Boy sounded very good, so I called him Chicken Boy. And I wrote my first story. I actually have my original stuff because I just yeah. did a school talk on this, uh, so I could actually show you. And this is stuff that almost nobody gets to see, by the way. This is very exclusive. <laughs> this is my original writing journal. And that's the that's the first picture of Chicken Boy that oh, I ever drew. Nice. Oh. How awesome is that? 
Princess and so I, I wrote a excellent. story, an alien invasion story that Chicken Boy starred in, and I showed it to Mr. A, and he loved it. And he was so praising, and I, and I felt so inspired, and I made all sorts of other stuff, but Chicken Boy kept, kept calling me back. So I decided to write my first full book, and I have the original book that I made in Spiral Bound at Kinko's when I was nine <laughs> years old. Kinko's doesn't exist anymore, but uh, this is <laughs> Chicken Boy and the Wrath of Dr. Dimwad. This is the first version um, when I was nine, nine years old. Flip through it. No, not for, not for you, for us. Find us some good pictures for you. There you go. There's some of the original pictures. That's really good for right nine. There. Really. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so I, I drew the pictures, and I had typed every day after school. I had typed stuff, and then I would cut it out and glue it onto the page. Right. And then copy it together. Um, but uh, Mr. A held it up in front of the class, and he said, look at what Mike did. So... Uh, where the other teacher held up my thing and ripped it up as an example. He held it up and praised it, put it in the school, in the class library, and it became our class mascot. And I realized at that moment that I wanted to be an author. I wanted to do this forever. And so I wrote a bunch more uh, stories. I did the next two years. I wrote more books. These are the original versions of the next two Chicken Boy books. And I went back to his class to talk about writing. And uh, when I was 13... I'd been doing this for a few years, and then uh, all the kids wanted their own copy of Chicken Boy. So I, I was like, how do I do that? Self-publishing was new, um, and I decided to create my own company. And every time that uh, I brought a new picture or a new story to Mr. A, he said, oh, a new Thompson original. So I called my company Thompson Original Productions. And this was, this was the book that I self-published when I was 13. It was Chicken Boy. And I'll see if I can find that exact uh, spread. That was updated. Sounds like you needed a momager. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So there's that same same two pages, but uh, drawn. Nice, cleaned up. When I was 13. Mm-hmm. Cleaned it up. Nice. And so that's how it started. So let me, and I'll, I'll stick with you, Mike, because you kind of have the floor right now. What makes you sit down and write now? What is it inside you? What feeling, what emotion, what mood, what dollar sign? What is it that makes you go, oh, I'm going to write something today or create something? Let's go with create instead of write. Cause... Um, I, th- I think just knowing how much it means to people. Just recently I was doing a school talk and uh, they invited me back. This was the same elementary school where I created Chicken Boy. And when I got there... Um, they were painting murals in their school library. The kids had voted on what literary characters meant the most to them uh, to appear on the walls of their library. And when I got there, my Chicken Boy characters were on the wall. Did you get teary-eyed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Because right now I'm just kind of like, <laughs> that's good. That's, that's, that's was, freaking like, awesome, dude. It was amazing. And I have I, I posted it on, um, I shared I shared what they, what they put up on uh, my Facebook. And uh, if you want to see it, link it, man. But, if you are okay. so inclined, yeah, feel free to drop that link in there. And also, so that that's what keeps me going. Each of you did drop your writing link in the chat in Twitch, yeah. Okay. Yes. Feel free to do it every once in a while, maybe uh, twice an hour or so, just that way people can grab your work. <laughs> now, what about you, Tempe? I mean, you have been creative for as long as I've known you. <laughs> um, obviously, much longer. 
um, with the crafting side of things, and you've passed this on down to your children, because I've seen some of their creative work, and your daughter works in theater, your son helps yes. make these vampire hunting kits with you, as well as being a crafty financier in his own right. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of he's kind of bailed on helping me. He's got his own business thing going now, so that's what you want (laughs) but that's what you want them to grow up and do for themselves so that's nice i mean it hurts a little but so what about Uh, you though what drives you to first creating these kits and now the writing what is that uh, you know, I, I've been a, I was a stay-at-home mom for 15 years. I'm actually still a stay-at-home mom. My, my son is graduating this year, um, and I just needed something to do. I can't. I'm not a person to just sit around and do nothing. Mm-hmm. I have to do something. My mind needs to be occupied. Um, and you know, when my my side went, I have no idea what made me start writing. I I have no idea why I got up that day and said, "Hey, I'm just going to sit down and start typing something." Um, but I, I had this story. It was in me. I needed to get it out. And that's just what I'm doing. So it's it's kind of my, it's just my creative outlet. And, you know, every time, and, and mine is historical stuff. So I have to do a lot of research because mine yeah. is historically accurate as much as humanly possible when it comes to, um, you know, and blending the fantasy with it. And um, it's, you know, I, it, it's I just when I get a message from somebody saying, "Oh my God, I love it." When's the next one? You know, you know, and I get those all the time. I love it. When's the next one? You know, it's it's it keeps you going. It keeps you going. And like I said, I love history, and the fact that I can take history, I can take Washington spies, bless you, and mix them up with you know Celtic Fay. and find a way to make it work and make it seem like it actually happened. Let me interrupt real quick. Okay. You need to give us a breakdown of at least the first book and elevator pitch. You know, just okay. one paragraph, maybe two. Sell your book to us, right? What are we reading? Okay, A Timely Revolution is about um, a woman who's thrown back in time, and she ends up in Williamsburg in the about ten years before the Revolutionary War. Uh, she realizes she's got to make a life, or she's not going to make it because she can't go back where she came from. Uh, so she finds a way to make a life for herself. She does what any woman does. She sells her engagement ring and buys a house. <laughs> you know, and uh, so she, she makes it a point to want to stay out of the Revolutionary War. She doesn't want to change time in any way. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wants to make sure everything moves along. Well, she inadvertently ends up saving George Washington's life. And that kind of started a, a, a role where she ended up in the middle of the beginning of the Culper spy ring. She was actually instrumental in helping to bring that about. And that's a so, historical thing, correct? That's a historical thing. That's Washington spy, George Washington spies. So, yeah. And everything in the first, and everything in the book that's historical is completely accurate. Times, dates, people. All of that stuff is completely accurate, except for the you know the main character and the the fictional characters that I put in. Right. <clears throat> hmm. I think I had another question, but I can't grab it right now. By the way, for any of the viewers, if you guys have any questions, I got this handy little bell here that I will ding to let them know when I'm going to read a comment. So if you guys have questions or comments, bear with us. We might not get them the very moment you post them, but I will make sure 
that they see it or hear it or that we read them off and whatnot. So, Aaron. Sir. Actually, no, Tempe, still with you. So what makes you sit down in your chair to write yesterday, today, tomorrow? Um, I think I've, honestly, I've just built a habit of it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I do it when everyone has gone to bed. 11 o'clock at night, I write between 11 and 3 a.m. when it's quiet, when there's nobody else around. And I've just built a habit of it. And um, with this health issue thing, I don't sleep as much as I used to. So I, I'm awake. So Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it, it started out as just a drive. You had to do it. And then you moved into habit. Now, Aaron, when did you publish your previous book? What year? Uh, 2016, I believe. Okay. So, no book since then, but you've been working on one off and on between college. Which, by the way, exactly. for anybody that doesn't know, Aaron has, like, an HVAC degree. He's working on his electrician's degree. He works a full-time job, and he's earning his master's in something? So, uh, he okay, hasn't so... been idle. <laughs> uh I've got, I've got an associate of science and a bachelor of science in liberal arts. Would you like fries with that? However, that is the same degree that Captain America has. So, uh, I've got a master's of uh, science and leadership. Uh, it's an MBA adjacent program. Uh, I'm working on my PhD uh, in business, uh, roughly the PhD equivalent of a uh, doctor of business administration. Uh, I'm a journeyman HVAC special uh, technician, uh, working on my master's license. I should get that in July. Uh, working on my electrician's license. Should get my journeyman's soonish. Um, and then so, various little articles, and then also writing the fiction. And you can see all our faces go blank as you went through all these letters and things. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but going back to the writing, because uh, this is what he's doing instead of writing. He he's constantly learning and that's my point of oh hold on we're gonna interrupt here uh shara has a question i do have a question i've been hearing about places to do book signings besides conventions of course what would be some good places to do that princess do you mind if i table that till the second half because i think that's a great question for the hard that's lessons part um and i'm just gonna make a note right here book signings and put princess next to it so we know to refer back to you so give us and about a, note, a half hour to get to that what aaron and a quick note note for your note uh book uh yeah. business questions because that's going to be a big topic okay i got that down okay aaron going back to you my point is aaron has been learning this is what aaron does it drives him um that and bad jokes it's the fuel oh, for his oh, soul I, I will steal a bad joke in a heartbeat like uh hey you want to hear a dirty joke white horse fell in the mud <laughs> what's long brown and sticky <laughs> a stick <laughs> okay aaron all right so why haven't you ridden where's the drive okay it's not the drive uh-huh. uh going back to what tempe said habit mm-hmm. all right takes 21 days to form a habit or replace a habit, or break a habit, and if you're not doing something constantly, habits go away. Um, and it's something as simple as taking your medication every day. Oh, I don't need it today, and then tomorrow you forget to take it, and the day after that you forget to take it, and then it's like, oh, I've got to get back into the habit of doing it. Or you're running around doing other things, uh, like running a marathon. Um, I do one big marathon a year, and a, a 
a couple free halves. Uh, the Marine Corps Marathon here for the local DC guys. Um, I do that, so I've got to do a little bit of training for it. Uh, and then the historic half down in Fredericksburg. Um, I'm training for that one because I'm doing the uh, the Devil Dog Challenge, which is basically run the five mile course, then immediately run the half, which is 13 miles after that. Okay. So uh, where's but the... you break a, you break a habit and you got to go back and rebuild it. So that's true. Um, what I typically do is my school is in at Capella University. Education is as smart as the world around us. With the FlexPath format, you can take classes at your own pace set your own deadlines, and even leverage your previous experience to move faster. Now that's smart. Learn more at capella.edu. At Capella University, you're in control of your education. With the game-changing FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines and move at your own pace. The faster you move, the more you save. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Ten-week chunks. There are four of them a year, and there's three-week breaks in between each one. While I'm doing school... I write to avoid school. Okay. Uh, school has got a hard deadline on it. I have to do it. Absolutely yeah. have to do it. Um, so if you wait to the last minute, it only takes a minute. <laughs> um, I, I know this sounds silly, <laughs> but it's one of those. Hey, oh, Travis, oh, Travis, you just defended writers everywhere every time they have a damn <laughs> deadline. <laughs> if I wait to the last minute, it only takes a minute. That's right. Ah, uh, so what I'll do is I'll, I get home, I always do my, uh, they typically have discuss for anybody going through these programs online, they've got discussion questions where you got to do the readings and all that. I do the readings on Monday and Tuesday. Um, I read fast, uh, years of practice, good habit building. On Wednesdays, I sit down, I look at what the discussion question is supposed to be, and I go, shit. I don't want to do that right now. I will wait until 9.30, 10 o'clock-ish, because I go to bed at 10 o'clock-ish, 10.30. So to write a, uh, usually the requirements, 250 to 500 words, which well, for nothing. us writers is two pages. Yeah. Um, but they, to put it in terms, um, it doesn't take long. Uh, I wait to the last minute on assignments, which are six to 10 pages. Oh, all right, Saturday morning knock that stuff out but if i'm going to have word open i may as well be trying to put words on paper or at least editing something that i've already done um or building up something else that i've got elsewhere like oh it not all of our stories are going to be in that one vein um as tempe mentioned she's got okay her her historical uh romance uh, and these novels but she's also got another batch that she's working on. I'm sure she's got a little notepad or some variation that she's just going, oh, uh, remember this. Or Travis's little thing where he got, remember this for later on today. Um, or Michael. I'm sure he's got notebooks and notebooks and notebooks of, oh, I never did this. Let me go back and do this. Yeah. You, know what, you, know I, you know what I write mine on? Taco Bell napkins. Yeah. <laughs> Are they a better thread <laughs> count or something? A lot of time. Do what? Are they a better thread count? <laughs> they're like recycled, so they're like actual paper. So I can take notes on those while I'm there eating lunch, and I just stuff them in my purse till I get home. Because of the brown paper instead yes. of all the uh, the white one, which is that plasticine paper, and you can't right. write on it. <laughs> right, right. So inspiration hits in, in weird places. So. 
Now, here's what I want to do right now. Aaron, if you're done. Okay. Um, and I'm not yanking it. It just, if you're done. Okay. I want to turn to you three and ask you if you have any questions. As writers at various stages, it's always nice to be able to openly and comfortably talk about writing with other people. And it's something as writers where it's a very solitary, whether it's a hobby, profession, or something in between. So when you get into a group, it's it's time to nerd out. Yeah. So you guys have hung out with each other for a couple hours so far today before show on show. Any questions for each other or comments or ridicules or any anything? Well, uh, here's one, okay? And this is probably me and Michael towards Tempe, all right? Because Michael said he, he did textless adventures to begin with. Me, I wrote an entire novel where the main character didn't talk, where the, where the narrator never talks. I don't do dialogue. Um, now, my background character, or my, my secondary characters and primary, they talk, but the narrator never, is never directly quoted. So how do you deal with things like that? Uh, dialogue development. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit different when I write than I think most writers. Like, I don't sit down with an outline. I just sit down and I write what pops in my head. Um, dialogue, is some, yeah, dialogue is something I thought I would never be able to write, but I found it's the easiest thing for me mm-hmm. because it just keeps... It, that's mostly what my stories are, is dialogue. So, um, yeah, you know, I just I just write what pops in my head, and I, I don't have a better explanation than and that. And if I could take a stab at this, uh, Aaron, to address your point, narration is constant dialogue. Oh, I, oh check, check. Yeah, yeah it's, it's unilateral uh... dialogue. It is a constant flow of consciousness. Now, writing... As Tempe is talking about, and Michael was nodding and agreeing and everything, in your narration style, this is, uh, over the past six, seven years, I have written a lot of different things, a lot of different styles, on purpose, to try different things and see what I like, see what flows best for me. And here's what I'll tell you, outline or not, that is up to any individual writer, but once you start writing, and I have these things on my desktop, desktop backgrounds that flash by, and two or three of them out of 20 or 25 say, don't think, write. The first draft comes from your heart, second draft comes from your head, it's all the same thing. And this is what I'm telling anybody, you can only plan so much. And you can plan, but once you're writing, write. You will fix it in the edit. You will fix it when you clean up your draft. Stop thinking. Let it flow. Like Aaron's narration, like Michael and Tempe are both talking about right here. And dialogue is definitely easy. And uh, then when you go back to re to, to check it, make sure it doesn't sound so stiff and wooden and predictable. Because that's sometimes all of us will do that when writing dialogue. And other times we just have a burst of genius that's just so amazing and fun and stupid and silly and connecting. It, it's a it's yeah. a wonderful thing. For Michael, dialogue, uh, yes. For dialogue, I think it's a matter of knowing the character's personality really well, so that you know how they'll react. Or discovering it by their reactions when you're writing. Mm. Oh, check. Um, 
there's a and just kind of going back to that uh who here likes looney tunes uh, what era <laughs> i do like Don't the vulture age. <laughs> the original the original okay your foghorn leghorns your bugs bunny so world war ii i remember it well <laughs> says her okay so if you go back and re-listen to it you can realize that mel blank doesn't change voices okay he changes inflections and things like that but the voice is always the same he's not a voice act He's an actor in a voice role as opposed to a, um, so, like Foghorn, Leghorn, and Bugs Bunny, they're the same voice. I mean, you're just, yeah, I know, and, and, but it's one of those, son, I said son. No, I have something else I want to add to that when you're done. No, 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 but it's one of those, that, those inflections are what make them unique, even though our brain is going, oh, yeah, that's the same guy, over and over again, and while you're doing that... Go ahead and hit it. I'll grab the photo of everybody that's the same. When we do, when we do audiobooks as a topic, we'll definitely discuss that sort of thing. That is a good. That is a good topic. Yeah, I wrote it down. Tempe, what were you gonna say? This is completely off the wall, but it's just a, a note that I uh-huh. made. We uh, we actually saw Knives Out at the theater a couple of months ago. How was it? And I was listening. It was it was really good. Nice. And I love Daniel Craig, but Daniel Craig has a southern accent in this. And I'm <laughs> through the whole movie going, who does he sound like? And it dawned on me that it sounded like Foghorn Leghorn. We did. Yeah, he did. We, <laughs> hold on, if I may. Uh, run for EST94. Run. Thank you. Audio books, you came in on that one. We're not discussing them tonight, but we will down the road. Here's you. Thanks for the follow. And here's what else I'll tell you guys. That's my friend. Oh, is it? Oh, nice. Oh, I see. Thank you. Run Forest. Gotcha. Well done. (laughs) Clever. But speaking of EST, remember, uh, Daylight Savings Time. (laughs) This is why I always write Eastern instead of EST or um, anyhow. We did a Talk of the Tavern, which is a Monday night talk show, and we did a Whose Line Is It Anyway episode, and we had our British co-host do a southern accent. (laughs) And he sounded like the most proper foghorn leghorn you have ever heard as he did a southern cop. (laughs) I'm telling you, Daniel Craig and Knives Out, the whole movie, I was through it, and I'm like, who does he sound like in the... When I got out, I'm like, it's Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> That's who Kevin exactly. sounded like. <laughs> so we were just like, that is like a British Foghorn Leghorn. It's hilarious. It's, uh... Okay, we got about 15 minutes before we take a break and, and roll into the second hour here. Um, so, Michael, let me ask you real quick, because we were on you and you were you were kind of had the floor there to discuss what we were discussing, or you had uh, a look of commentary on some stuff Aaron was saying. Is, is, is Forrest here? Uh, it doesn't happen to be the person with the poetry. Uh, no. Okay. No. This is, this is, uh, Forrest is just one of my best friends from, uh, high school. Oh, so. look how lucky Forrest What's is. What's up, man? Michael's <laughs> best friend. It's, uh, <laughs> I've been trying to get Michael to play D&D with me. He's, like, totally not doing it. You're weird. <laughs> and I'm like, I know. How you doing? No, I didn't. I don't say that to him. He does all the time. Not when he's awake, Aaron. Not when he's awake. And he smells different when he's sleeping. Michael, did you have something to say? Now would be the time, please. (laughs) 
I, I guess going back to dialogue, the um, uh, reading stuff out loud helps a lot. Yes. When editing. It, yeah. It's one of the biggest Especially. hints I give when editing. Read it out loud and do not rush. Read every word, enunciate every word, even if you're writing in accents or whatever. Take your time. Now, read I, it in accents, too. I yeah. find my reading my reading in English accents, well, like I'm sitting at the computer reading aloud in an English accent. Going Can you do that for us <laughs> yeah. right now? Can you just open your book and just read a line in English accent for us? Probably not. I don't have a book with me. I've got one here. I'll just hold it up. <laughs> Aaron, I saw you raising your hand. Did you have a comment or something to add? Oh, no, uh, I, uh, third pass. Friggin', uh, the kind of the way I learned to edit was first pass, reread it on the screen. Second pass, print it out, read it on paper. Uh, your brain uses different parts to read on paper than it does on the screen. Interesting. Um, yeah, I know. That's one of those things that doesn't make any sense, but it. Yeah. It, um, that's why reading from a Kindle, uh, one of the newer Kindles, feels different than reading from a book. Okay, and what's uh, the third pass? Third pass, read it out loud. Ain't nobody got time for all that. I go straight to reading out loud. <laughs> I am totally serious. It's, uh, But this, I'm going to talk about me for a moment if you guys don't mind. My writing what? schedule this year is to write a book a month. 2,000 words a day in 30 days gives me a 60,000 word novel up to August, then I'm going to do my 300,000-word epic fantasy for the last five months. This is my plan, and I'm, I'm doing pretty good at sticking to schedule so far, um, especially since I can do three to 5,000 words in a day without really straining. Um, I have found I can do 500 words in 15 minutes if I focus. So that's 2,000 words for an hour, but I totally can't focus for a whole hour. <laughs> that's just ridiculous. <laughs> But I could focus for three 15-minute bursts with breaks in between. Um, so I could definitely do, you know, that much. Okay, so really forgot where I was going with this. Hmm. Did I did I give any clues where I was headed, guys? Totally did. Oh, so the reading. Editing. Um, Word count. Sorry. Editing. Okay. Editing. This year is the first year I've ever actually read one of my own books cover to cover to edit it. Uh. And I send it to my editor, who uh, I think all of you know, at least passingly, mm-hmm. Aaron, maybe not you, uh, Tara I've Moore, met her once. who will be on next week, I believe, and she will be a regular here on Right Night. Woo-hoo. An amazing woman with a hell of a skill set and a damn fine human being. Um. And she says, I send a very clean copy. And the copies I've been sending her are barely edited on my behalf, or on my part, I should say. The what I have just sent her, anything I've written this year, is the first time I've read it, first word to last word, out loud. But I totally skipped those two in-between things, Aaron. So either I write a decent, clean first copy, or, man, my work could be so much better. And I'm terrified which the right answer is <laughs> we'll find out Tempe, as what? opposed to me i think i think i make her drink so <laughs> <laughs> here's to that <laughs> here's to that <laughs> i have a trip to the abc store <laughs> but on that note i've also seen some of the guys that pump out book after book after book the ones that are in the 20s and 30s and putting out a book every two months they say now friggin' cursory edit out it goes 
no editor, no out loud read. I just make sure that it's got a semi-decent formatting. And what spell check catches, spell check catches. See, I do spell check twice, and actually it's spell and grammar check now. But Forrest, to answer your question, absolutely. Tons of mistakes. Anywhere from, you know, using the wrong version of two as I was fast typing, um, because I type almost as fast as I am speaking right now. If things are moving well, this is about the speed of back it up three words because I just fucked something up, go forward. <laughs> um, and that's about the speed I can type when I'm flowing and not thinking. When I'm thinking, so much slower and so many more mistakes when I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. When it's flowing, when I stop thinking and let it go, just totally frozen the whole thing. But yeah, found lots of mistakes. Um, also found continuity errors, like the guy said, why don't I have a gun? Two pages before, he had a gun in his hand. Okay, so yeah, you definitely find the mistakes. And Aaron, what you recommended, great, please, everybody else, do that. Me, I am impatient and or lazy. <laughs> and I want Nothing that shit that. out my door so I can work on the next project. Um... Don't be me. Be smarter than me. So, Tempe, you had a few comments earlier. Did you forget them, or do you still have them in your head? Uh, No, I was just going to ask you, how did you get started writing? What got you into it? Apparently, from what I've asked my my relatives, my sister and my aunt, I used to carry a notepad when I was six years old. Oh, wow. And also, I've always been very organized, and I feel this relates. I wouldn't clean up my toys, I would organize my toys and put them in order. Um, And it's not OCD, because I can walk out of a messy room and not think a second time about it, or I can go in there and organize it and find delight and joy in doing this. So that relates to the writing. That comes to formatting and editing, and the way I lay out a story. So in my teens, uh, and by the way, I was always a reader. Never wrote in my books, never folded pages. Six years old, book club, just voracious reader. By the time I hit middle school, I was reading 400-page novels in a couple of days. Um, I would ask my teachers, do you mind if I read during your class? And usually the answer was, your work is done. I don't care. And I would keep a book for school, a book in the bathroom, and a book in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Voracious reader. That fell away as I got older, which is a damn shame. But in my early teens, I started writing. And it was a bunch of starter books. You know, uh, 20 handwritten pages, which felt like so much, but I know if I typed it up now, it's like four pages, tops. <laughs> Especially if I'm single-spacing sentences and not double-spacing. and um, Not very impressive. And I first published in one of those poetry books that you pay $45 to be in or some shit like that, and then you pay $50 for a copy of it in 2000-ish, one year, either side of that, I forget. Had some editorials go out to different pipe smoking magazines or whatever. Published my first short story with somebody else's book in 2009. Wrote a full novel in 2007, though, and sent it out. What crap, by the way. And and I did rewrite that in 2016 and publish it, and I'm almost embarrassed of it now because my writing style has changed so drastically. And that's something else a lot of you uh, newer writers will find. You look back at your older stuff and go, oh, 
Ukraine <laughs> but, There's a meme going around on Reddit right now uh, talking about uh, it's got the Animal Crossing uh, dog there and it, it says hey it's okay to, to cringe at stuff you did six years ago that means you've improved. Yeah. Hey. Yeah that is a very very good True. point. <clears throat> So I guess in 2013, I went and collected a bunch of the short stories that I had written for other people's books and published my first book. Which, by the way, for anybody out there, if you're going to publish an anthology, put the word anthology on the goddamn cover. Because people don't read the description and they give you bad reviews going, The book made no sense and didn't connect from chapter to chapter. Oh, no. And by the way, if you put anthology on the cover, you might want to define the word. (laughs) That okay, and that said, reviews are great. Reviews are awesome. Ignore the bad ones, or read them. Find out if there's a technical issue with them. But if it's just a subjective opinion about something, in one ear, out the other. And the same thing for attached to it. Yeah, same thing for good reviews. Don't get attached to them either. Reviews are a learning tool, guys. Reviews are the thing you read to go. What can I do differently that'll make this a stronger piece of craft? Um, so read your reviews, but do not take them personally and realize that's one person's opinion. Now, if you hear the same thing threaded through multiple reviews, maybe give it a consideration. Um, uh, but don't take it to heart. Don't take it to personal. These people don't know you. And they I, could... I, I, I'm sorry. No. I don't mind the I don't mind the reviews. It's the nitpicky ones that right. bother me. You know, right. like I had one that complained that my character had pockets last week. Uh-huh. <laughs> my character had pockets. See, I had somebody give me a one star review on this anthology I'm talking about. Going, accidentally downloaded the free book. It's steampunk. Steampunk shouldn't be a genre. One oh. star. They never read it. They never read the book. Yeah. Um, and I'm like. So they're giving themselves one star for downloading it like a moron. <laughs> That's a good review. That's a great one-star review because it was no capitalization or punctuation either. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> By the way, we have four minutes till the top of the hour. Does anybody need to take a quick break, and I will finish up my origin story here? Yes. Take I, a I'm break. Take Make a sure break. you mute yourself if you step away, guys. Get your refills. Get your bathroom breaks. Everybody else who is viewing, I am going to finish my origin story which is basically uh, shortly after I published that, I started writing original stuff, and I am only now putting out full-length novels and creating series, and I will guarantee the writing I am doing now is so much stronger, cleaner, tighter, and interesting than anything I wrote 12 months ago, let alone six years ago. It's definitely been a learning curve, and the reason it's a learning curve is consistency, is writing, okay? You have epiphanies. You have those moments where you go from here to here. It's not a slow slope. It's a slow slope with a jump. And yeah. it happens again and again. <clears throat> That's exactly now, right. Something else I want you guys to know. I'm going to take over again. Not that I wasn't already. I want to let you guys know. Hold on. Let me see where this... Okay. There's a cap messing with stuff. Stop messing with stuff. Let me move this over to here. Uh, here's what I'm going to tell you guys. I'd like you to subscribe, please. And the reason I'd like you to subscribe is because I'm working on making a dream become a reality. Okay, I'm here to show people, you guys, my fellow writers, myself, and you, how to make dreams come true. I'm here to help people do that. Okay, 
We love to share our ideas. It's why we're here. We're not here <laughs> for attention. We're here to help you guys. Attention will be addressed in a moment. And we want to create something special and unique, which is a conversation. And I'm making that happen for these guys, for me, for you. Um, it's not about the money. It's not about the attention. At Capella University, education is as smart as the world around us. With the FlexPath format, you can take classes at your own pace, set your own deadlines, and even leverage your previous experience to move faster. Now that's smart. Learn more at capella.edu. Hello, this is Discover, and we take customer service very seriously. We know that if you have a question or concern about your credit card, that's a serious matter, and you need to talk to a real person about it. So we offer around-the-clock access to seriously talented representatives in the USA. Again, it's a serious endeavor. The only funny thing about it is Bob. If you call us and Bob answers, you're in for a treat. Get 100% U.S.-based customer service and talk to a real person day or night. Discover exceptionally common sense. And by the way, if you write, watch me on a writing stream, sometimes it feels to me like it should be boring. But it's actually about being creative. It's about sharing. It's about talking together. And helping each other. It is in all exciting moments. There's definitely that moment of accomplishing work, which to me is exciting. I love to accomplish something. Um, and what are we trying to accomplish here? What's the biggest challenge we as a community are facing? And how does this, what we're doing right here, right now, fit into what you want? Okay? It's about choice right here. It's about you. The power to accomplish your hopes and goals, it's yours. You make the difference in that. We just have this channel, this stream, this show, this conversation to help you succeed and help others succeed through you to attain dreams, to make your dream possible. We don't want anybody to miss out on their goals, hopes, achievements because they didn't have something like this to tell them, you can do this. So, whenever I ask you to subscribe, it's to support that sort of thing, to help others get where they want to be. Mm. Oh, hey man, thank you from Princess. Oh, hey and I got amazing emote, says Mez. Thank you. Now, I am going to step away. You guys talk amongst yourselves. When I get back here in a moment with a new glass of water, we are going to move into the second part, which is hard lessons. So for the viewers, think of... <laughs> We're going to talk about some of the shit we've learned because we screwed up or didn't know something or did know something and didn't listen. We'll be right back. Or I'll be right back. They're still here. Well, Travis is away. I'm going to piggyback on his last comment in regards to the subscriptions and whatnot. Um, not necessarily on that, but on the fact that we're getting together. Um, yeah. there's, there's a great YouTube video out there. It's got Ty Lopez and Why I Read a Book a Day uh, or The Law of thir uh, 33%. And the, the gist of it is, uh, for those that want to go see it, uh, I'm going to go ahead and link it over uh, in Twitch. But the gist is, spend time with not only people that are above you uh, in progression, but peers, like we are, but also with other people that are not at that stage yet. Um, it's going to make you better. There's an old martial arts saying... Um, if you want to get better at something, train somebody else to do it. Because uh, it will highlight everything that you're either doing wrong or what they need to improve. And it's going to just bring you up a level. Very true. Um, yes. 
we're peers, we're colleagues. Uh, I'm probably, I, have, I do not have 10 books in the wings. Uh, so these guys are much, much farther ahead of me when it comes to published novels and whatnot. Um, uh, they're ahead of me. Um, but on technical writing and things like that, I've got published novels from other sources. They're, they're uh, the military side of things. So I've been through some of the gatekeeping process and we'll get into that in the technical side. Um, so I'll be able to help them on that side in some regards. But keep that in mind. So ask questions of us. Yeah. Welcome back, Travis. What he said. <laughs> so welcome to part two of the show uh, where we're going to talk more about the technical side on Right Night. And you guys have met Michael Thompson. Give a little wave. Doing kind of a second intro. No, just Michael, Aaron. Don't steal Michael's <laughs> oh, wave yeah, time. Oh, you said give him a wave. Okay. <laughs> It's, uh, I'm kind of doing a, hello, Sarah, good to see you, thanks for swinging by. Uh, John from Conquest Publishing says, I thought it was Duck Danielson. I'm guessing that'll make sense to you guys. Danielson? I don't know, I don't know. Anyhow, I wasn't here for that. Reintroducing you guys as the second half of the show starts because we might have some new people. So now we also have Aaron Kennedy in the upper right of your screen. And then in the bottom right with the blue hues... Mellowing everything out, we have Tempe Wade. Okay, so this second part is the technical and we're going to talk about hard lessons. Now, for you guys who are on, Michael, Aaron, and Tempe, I don't necessarily want to focus on why it's hard to put your butt in the chair and start typing. I want to go into the technical things we've learned, whether it's marketing or punctuation or anything else that... There's that learning curve. There's that arc. And hopefully, we're constantly learning something new. Whether it's just about that point in history that we researched or whether it's how to use a semicolon correctly, which I'm writing that down for a whole damn show. Know <laughs> your colon. And we had a standing question from uh, Princess there about book signings. So, and Michael, I probably just want, I just want to throw this in your lap because this is something, this is one of Michael's strong points. And I'll, I'll point that out. Michael's strong points from what I've seen is he is incredible at, at connecting with some random stranger walking past his table. He has a gift for this. Interviewer tonight. Later. <laughs> okay. Thank you. So let, let's just do a quick one statement. If you guys have had a chance to think about this, Tempe, what's the hardest lesson you've learned without going into it? Just one line. Uh, word will bone you in a heartbeat. <laughs> we'll have you expand on that in a minute. <laughs> Aaron. Gatekeepers. You are your biggest gatekeeper. Okay, we'll have you explain that in a moment. Michael. Uh, marketing and all that entails. Okay. Um, mine is learn the rules, follow the rules, break the rules. Nice. And I'll explain that more in a moment. So shall we go ahead and uh, do the gentlemanly thing, the historically accurate thing, and ladies first? <laughs> writing and and Travis you were such a huge help to me that I wouldn't have gotten anywhere without it but um 
you know, you advised me to get an editor, and I did, and I used the person you recommended that I still use to this day. What I didn't realize was that an editor and a proofreader are two different things. My first batch went out, and there were mistakes that I missed, and we had an issue with Word, and Word would blank out and just lost, like, sentences that were just completely gone. Oh, my. And, yeah, and then I found out, and I pulled it back. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, go on. I, I think you're about to explain it because I'm confused. Yeah. yeah, I was having issues with Word, and it would blank out, and I would lose complete sentences, and it, it, it was just crazy. I actually had Word lose 10 hours worth of edits for me, and then auto-save the loss. Uh, so, yeah, uh. it's very frustrating. So I learned a, an editor and a proofreader are two different things, and I also learned that no matter how many people you have go over it, you know, how many computer programs you have go over it, you'll be convinced there's not a typo in there. You'll be at a convention table, somebody will flip open a book, and it'll go straight to the typo, and they'll say, look, there's a typo. Yeah, and there'll be at least three in your book. Good luck finding them. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You could have exactly. 20 beta no readers, matter. 14 proofreaders, and three editors. There will be three mistakes in your book. Absolutely. So, so you know, I, I have, I've learned to, now when I get it back from the editor and I do the proofreading, right. I sit down with a pair of headphones and I go through it last minute, final, and listen to it, you know, read out loud by word. And mm-hmm. I catch so much stuff that way. Yeah. Um, by the way, for anybody of you guys that use word, there is a read it out loud and the technology is getting better every mm-hmm. single year. Yes. Um, now, it is worth it to read it out loud yourself, but you will catch different things when the computer is reading it to you. Yes. It is like the worst audiobook you've ever listened to, but it's worth doing. Um, what do you mean Microsoft lost? Because I, I, I use Microsoft. What happened there? What's... I, I've had a couple of issues where it's just completely blanked out and where I've done edits, it's just lost it. It's just completely disappeared. And then it would autosave after that part disappeared. And, you know, cause I keep it on autosave all the time. And it was just, and at that time I heard a couple of other writers say they were having the same issue, but I had 10 hours worth of edits. What that it version out and of lost. Word? Like, do what? What version of Word? Uh, Word, Office. 365 Office, or Office 365, is it yes. okay so because yeah. that's different from microsoft word 10 yes because microsoft 10 you weren't paying every month right and i'm willing to bet that was an update this is the problem with shit where you pay monthly fees and they updated which is good to see you i'm just going to take a moment to say hello to witches who popped in so good to see you um aaron gatekeepers what the hell does that mean? Okay, so, and the reason I say this is when I first got my novel through Beta Read and all that stuff, I said, okay, maybe I'll try to get it published through like one of the big five or the big six at the time, then it became the big five. Um, and you've got to go, okay, well, how do you get published? Well, you got to submit it to a literary uh, agent to get there. And it's a gatekeeper. It's somebody preventing you from publishing a novel. Um, so I, you send out the letter and you got to write the little blurb that says, hey, this is what it's about. I got to pique their interest, which isn't actually going to them. It's going to their secretary or somebody that works for them to get it on their desk. They go, okay, send me sample pages. 
Uh, and then they got to go, okay, well, what's your marketing plan on this one? They're middlemen and they're in your way, uh, which in the age of self-publishing, we don't need gatekeepers. And this kind of goes back to Tempe, uh, when she was talking about, oh, I'm helping out this other person and people Tempe's are getting upset. Tempe's got more than that. And I want to go into that later, Tempe, but go right, on, right, Aaron. Right. Uh, she's helping out this other person and then other authors are getting upset because we're adding it. There's an additional product out there. And we've got this plethora of product. Nobody is ever going to be able to read it all. So an abundance doesn't hurt. It's not like the price is going to drop to the bottom because there's more of it. True. Um, so it's not wasted. It, we're not stealing from anybody else with the Kindle Unlimited uh, and the various other um, subscription-based services where we get a cut if somebody actually reads the book um, and they're paying a subscription fee, there's no harm. Um, we're not a distraction from each other. We're not competing with each other. It's not like, oh, Robert Jordan's got a new Wheel of Time novel. Raymond Feist has got this one, and you can only pick up one book. <laughs> yeah. Readers aren't like that. They're like heroin addicts. Well, yes. no, they're like heroin addicts. They're going to keep pumping it into their veins as fast as they can. Except we don't die of overdoses. Heroin <laughs> Do you have a better description of what we are? Hmm. You yeah. point. <laughs> give, me, give me another one of uh, Chicken Boy books, huh? <laughs> when is the next one coming out, yeah? Okay, so let me grab what Aaron saying there. Basically, if I'm understanding this correctly, to paraphrase the Aaron, what you're saying is don't let somebody shut your writing down. You're your own. You decide when you're publishing because there is self-publishing now. But that being said, I will also give the advice of get a good cover, get a good editor. Oh, absolutely. I'd like to say it goes without saying, but it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> um, well, something... Uh, just to... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, please. Uh, and just part of that is remember, yes, we've got this creative outlet and whatnot, but it's a business. Mm. You're a business owner. Yeah. And your exactly profits right. are your payroll. Yes. That's that's your paycheck. We'll, we'll go uh, into that a little more, too. But that's too. much, much later um, on. Because yeah. I have that the business question thing, and actually I mentioned that in 27 Thoughts on Writing. Um, so Tempe... Something I'm doing with Silver and Smith that's currently with Tara in the editing process, I'm going to actually shop for agents. Okay. Now, something nice. I've told other people is, for me, you do what you want to do. I ain't the boss of you. But for me, I either want the big five or self-publishing. I don't want any of that goddamn middle ground. Because mm -hmm. what I've had people tell me is they published with these middle ground publishing groups and what Aaron just said is what happens. What's your marketing plan? What's your publishing plan? What's your promotion plan? And I'm like, I'm sorry, I have a publisher to publicize? Yes. No, you don't. You have a publisher to take part of the cut for what? So, the big five, for me, or self-publishing. There's not a middle ground that I want to play in. So, I, and I'm looking at that when I go to shop agents. So, apparently, you've been shopping agents recently, and you've hit a bit of a frustration. I have. I have. Um, I, I have a theory on this, and I think that these literary agents 
maybe kind of realize that their time is a little limited because of self-publishing. And I've sent some stuff out to, and, and it's, it's not my timely series. It's another separate series that I was working on that kind of tied back to it. But my thinking was I would, if I could get it with somebody big, I could use it to throw traffic back to my self-published sure. stuff. Um, so these literary agents, you check out their wish list and the stuff that they want is just, it changes daily. And it's stuff like, I want a, 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 a airspace machine <laughs> that has aliens and there's a romance now. And they have these crazy wish lists and people are trying to write to these wish lists. These wish lists that I might add change from day to day to day. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, they, yeah, yeah, they, they, there's no rhyme or reason to any of it. I've shopped a few of them and I, you know, I, I did get a little frustrated and my, basically, my attitude with this is screw it. I'll just do it myself because why should I put money in their pockets to do what I can do myself? I agree. You know, you here's know, what I'm going to tell you about agents. And this is coming from somebody that hasn't shopped an agent yet. It's job hunting. Okay. Yes. If you're going to work for a company, you want to make sure it's a company that's going to move forward what you want to achieve. The same for an agent. Research them. If you go in for a job interview, you are interviewing that boss. The other way around also, but you're interviewing them, making sure you want to go with that. And the same for the agent. Look at what they've sold and who they've sold it to. And if they can't provide you that, or if they want to charge you before you even publish something's wrong right so be smart yeah. about it princess says basically there are the jerry mcguire that are struggling to survive in a new movement of self-publishing so true um if you can get a good agent that knows what they're doing and has the connections that will move your career and what you want forward it's a beautiful thing okay but nothing is instant, nothing is overnight, except the lottery, and most people are broke within a year after that. Yes. So you've got to be smart. This goes back to Aaron's business thing, which we'll talk about. But if we've got a moment to pause here, I want to jump to Michael's comment. Tempe, you good? Yeah. Okay, Michael, one more time. Your one hard lesson, marketing. It's marketing. It's marketing yourself. It's the balance of... The art versus uh, the product, or and the product, I guess, and finding that balance because the process of writing is really magical, and you're creating you're creating something, but then you have to sell it. You have to remember that this is this is a this is a product, this is a business. And back at the beginning, I gave a lot of books away because mm-hmm. I was so excited, and everyone wanted to read it. I'm like, hey, yeah, check it out. But. Uh, then I realized I'm like, oh, I gotta make money now. I'm, I'm running out. So, uh, so that was that was something, that was that was that was a big lesson. Um, and the biggest thing that helped me was uh, discovering the power of the pitch, which came after, after I graduated college. Um, yes, yes, big heart. He, he's <laughs> got a great pitch, guys. This is something I'm gonna constantly ping mm-hmm. Michael on as long as he's coming on the right night because mm-hmm. the first time I had a table next to him, I watched this kid, because shit, it was four years ago or so, right? Five years ago? <laughs> yep. Um, and, so. and when I went over there and talked to him more than just passingly of, hey, how's it going? I, I, 
pulled him aside, I went, you have a great pitch. You're great at stopping somebody and holding their interest. And it's something a lot of us writers are weak at, really, yes. really weak at. We're, we're so, whether it's we're introverted or shy or not confident in our creative skills, we love what we do. We think it's good, but we leave so much room for ourselves to be flawed, we won't approach somebody with that level of confidence that they need to go, I'll buy that. Michael has that. Thank you. Yes, Aaron. Question for, question for you, Michael. Now, yeah. and this comes back to kind of a branding concept as we're talking about marketing, because you've got marketing, you've got advertising, you've got branding. Now, how yeah. much of your brand in just rough percentages would you say is your book and is you? Hmm. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, um, can I add another question on top of that so you can answer both at once? Yeah. Your buddy Forrest there says, Mike, how long did it take you to get the confidence and did you fail at first? So oh, yeah. Go with both questions. It's in you. Uh, well, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's a lot of trial and error. When um, the way I, I first created the pitch, um, going with the pitch and talking to people in general um, and doing more in-person stuff, uh, I created it because of uh, my teacher, Laura Scott, in college. And she suggested that um, when I was when World of the Orb was coming out, she wanted me to participate in this thing called uh, SFF Pit, which was a pitch party on Twitter. And basically, you have uh, only the amount of char- uh, yeah, there it is, <laughs> Ta-da. Uh, only the amount of characters that Twitter provides to make someone interested in your book. And that's a great um, idea. Yeah, and I realized that it's not about – and looking at what other people were saying about their work and the things that were getting the most attention, I realized that it wasn't about explaining the plot. It was about the hook, um, but raising a question that uh, a stranger would want answered, that would pique someone's curiosity and would, that, would, that, would, that somebody would want answered. Yeah, the question, the hook, as you – the hook is the uh-huh. term, but that question that makes somebody go, that's a good question. I want to know more. Yeah. That's probably your best elevator pitch for a reader, mm-hmm. not for an editor, not for a script guy. And John says branding may be a bit different for different genres, but for us comics are about 60% branding. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, branding, and I'm not overly familiar with the term brand. put my face out there and... Uh, that was something that my uh, professor was saying. It's like, put your face out there, connect with people. Humanize um, yourself. What was that? Humanize yourself. Humanize, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 I don't know what the what the percentage is, but I know, like, the types of things that I would share and the types of, like, where what I what I put out there. Like, I don't really put out my personal life publicly, um, or like with, with my friends and stuff. Like I have lots of stuff that I'd love to share, like with my buddies and right. and uh, when we when we hang out. And uh, but I want to keep it like myself, like behind the scenes stuff, things that the reader would be interested in. Look at the actors that we respect the most. It's mm-hmm. not the ones with their personal drama in the news. Yeah, it never is ever. And by the way, Michael, I want to take this one thing. Michael has this little thing he does 
where he says, do you want a free bookmark? Oh, yeah. And that's, that's the icebreaker. Is, yeah. Go from there, Mike. Oh, yeah. So I always have I, – I, now that I've done since uh, uh, the Chicken Boy days when I was 13 and when Vistaprint was new. And Vistaprint had these uh, free promotions where you could order uh, some stuff and uh, they'll send you more stuff. And so – and I still do it like this actually. I get my – I get a print of the bookmark on a uh, postcard and then I chop it up myself. And those are my bookmarks. And whenever I'm out and about, I have a stack of bookmarks that have my information on it. And anybody, literally anyone that walks by, I will talk to and I'll say, hey, you want a free bookmark? <laughs> and there's there's some people that um, I accidentally offered multiple bookmarks to at some of the cons when I started doing cons. But anyway, uh, it's a great it's a great icebreaker. And it gets people involved to put something in their of, of yours in their hands that's inexpensive and that has your information on it and looks cool and has a function. And then from there, uh, I'll, I say, hey, I'm a local author. I'm doing a book signing. Can I introduce you to one of my books? And Notice he didn't say buy. Introduce yeah. you to. <laughs> That's true. And it's an experience. It's it's art, you know. It's So, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to use there's, – there's certain words you may want to avoid, I guess, and you might naturally kind of uh, sidestep uh, – things like that you want to use positive uh, buzzwords and and then when you're pitching you want to compare it to things that already exist that will paint a picture in your new friend's mind about what they might be engaging with soon and make them feel like a friend not a sale yeah make it feel yeah like... exactly something else i'll say about the bookmarks yes you have your information your website the book title whatever you can also put that one 144 character twitter hook on that bookmark. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That makes them met, go, what? Yeah, I met someone recently, um, well, recently in the grand scheme of things, uh, another author named Joab, and uh, at AwesomeCon, I think was the first place I met him. He has, he's used brochures, um, which I thought was a pretty interesting thing. So he, uh, he puts, like, you know, the pitch for each of his major books on this brochure, hands it out, it folds up to be, you know, pretty compact, and he hands those out. At these, at these big, big cons. And then they have that, and then the next day or even like some, a little bit of time later, people come back, they're like, this sounds cool. So he kind of do, he kind of does the long game. He like plants the seeds and then lets them lets them go and then lets them come back. So there's all sorts of things, like based on based on your um, interpersonal communication style, I'm, there's all I'm, sorts of things you can do. I'm going to push that one more time, though. The Twitter mm -hmm. thing, 144 characters. And I'm not saying go get a Twitter account. I'm saying you have to have a one to two sentence hook that grabs somebody's attention. If you can't do that, and I'm going to give some examples, and I'm not saying they're perfect examples. I'm saying they're examples. Look in chat right now. I'm dropping some commands right here. There's my one to two line about portals. Okay. Um, there's the one about journal. And let's see, what else do I have here? Uh, I think it's S and S. So there's my tweet length thing. Now, this is not necessarily about one particular book. This is about the series, each one of those. But this is an example, good, bad, love it, hate it, tear it up, adopt it, whatever, of what we're talking about, that one to two if you can't spit it out in the space when you're in an elevator 
<laughs> thank you, Tracy. Thank you for showing me your bits. <laughs> then, if you can't spit it out between floors in an elevator, it's too long. This is what Michael does in one line. Can I introduce you to my book? Okay? This is important right. to every writer out there because this is also a way we can get around our own self-doubt and our own confidence issues. Okay, you're not saying I wrote the best book ever. You're saying, can I show you about my book? Mm. And here's what I think is interesting. Yes, Aaron? Yeah, okay. Uh, on that self-confidence stuff like that, uh, and Michael uh, had hit on it earlier as well, remember there's a psychological phenomenon called fake it until you make it. Mm, mm, uh, this, is where you, this is where you pretend to be more confident than you are forever. You just keep doing it. <laughs> no, uh, but it He's it not works. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's what you have to do. I am an introvert. I don't talk to people. I go butt at work. I am jovial. I am like this. Uh, this is because I know these people. Right. Uh, in new settings, nope, nope, nope. I am uncomfortable as hell. I am anxious. I am stressed. But fake it till you make it. See, this and is that's the part of the part. branding that I was asking about earlier. This is the beauty uh, part of White Knight. If I can interrupt real quick, Aaron, even if I can't, I totally just did it. Um, <laughs> we are four people, give or take, depending on the week, having a conversation with each other. We can be comfortable here. We can be ourselves. We can be a little stupid, a little nervous, whatever, because we can ignore you guys as viewers and then bring you in and then step back so we can keep our comfort zone. And this allows us to... Uh, Hold on, Andrea is coming home. I gotta. She asked me if I want anything. I'll just say hugs. Yeah, we'll just go with that. Aww. Um. And a couple <laughs> of things. Oh, I guess I need to talk about the thing I said. So yes. there's there's a thing out there. It says learn the rules, follow the rules, break the rules. I will tell you a lot of new writers go. I want to do it my way. I want to make something new and special and unique. That's great, guys. But learn... Strong words, strong language. Learn the fucking rules. You learn that by studying and reading and enjoying other people's work. This gives you that social construct, how storytelling happens. There is a psychology to storytelling. There is a pacing that is required for more than just three people to get it. Learn the rules. Follow the rules. Now just practice them. Get skilled at them. Then break the hell out of those rules. This doesn't happen in your first book. This may not happen in your 20th book. But then again, it might. The bottom line is, you've got to know, if you were going to be an architect... To go, well, I'm not going to look at anybody else's blueprints or go to school for architecture. At Capella University, education is as smart as the world around us. With the FlexPath format, you can take classes at your own pace, set your own deadlines, and even leverage your previous experience to move faster. Now that's smart. Learn more at capella.edu. At Capella University, you're in control of your education. With the game-changing FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines and move at your own pace. The faster you move, the more you save. Visit capella.edu to learn more. You're a moron, and I don't want to live in your house. 
The same for writers. Study other people's. Judge the fuck out of them if you want. I don't care. But learn. Learn. Read. Learn. And it's something once you're writing and working a job and raising a family and doing all these other things, you got to make time. You've And audiobooks are a beautiful thing now. I have an hour commute each way to work. I go through audiobooks like crazy right now. Mm-hmm. Tempe, are you doing any reading? What are you reading right now? Let's do it that way. Um, I'm actually, I've started some of Alan Wall's stuff. Oh, um, I like him. Because I'll be seeing him at RavenCon because we exchanged books at uh, MarsCon. Um, but going back to the marketing stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm very much, I, I have a hard time talking to people that I don't know. You know, if once I get to know you, I'm fine. We can sit and chat all day long. Um, but with the book, I have a hard time promoting it myself. So what I did was I had a banner printed with the, the breakdown of the first book. And I take it to conventions and people who are standoffish a little bit anyway that come to conventions. And there are a, a lot, lot of people them. who are. They can read it and not have to even come to my table. And then you'll, they'll read it. You'll see them stand back and read it. And then they'll move on over and like, oh, I'm, I might be interested in this. And then I talk to them that way. Um, I'm that also is, starting something. That's oh, Michael's bookmark at a long distance. Yes. And that's a, that's a pretty damn smart move, Tempe. Go on. Yes. So, um, and I've also, I'm, I'm starting something new for RavenCon. Um, my books have a fae element to it. And so <laughs> I had cards printed up. And uh, one of the main characters in it, his name is Finn. And I don't know if I should say this. Honestly. You're a little bit in love with him, aren't you? I yeah, I like Finn. I like Finn. But uh, so I had I've had these cards printed up, and on the front they just say, "What kind of Finn's fae stuff?" I'll leave it at that. Is this? And then on the back I've just had you know my name and the Timely Revolution book series on it. So I'm hoping people would just pick it up and say, "Oh, what's this?" Right. You know, just enough to be curious to go to yeah. the website and check it out. Create questions. Say, Create a question, yes. Yeah. Yes. A question and is I a had, better I, way to I, draw I, a new reader than an answer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and people love these because of the foul language on them. They absolutely <laughs> love them. <laughs> did, did you purposely not swear in the tavern? Is that what just happened? Uh, well, I, I, I don't know if we have young ears listening. <laughs> it's okay. It's an adult channel. We have disclaimers. Okay, okay. It says, what kind of fence Bay fuckery is this? So, there we go. And Finn's Bay fuckery is a, a line in the book. So, John says we need a copy at our upcoming Fairy Fest. Uh, John is somebody who I know very well. Uh, you have probably met him, Tempe, if you remember. The large, bald man who I hung out with, not this year at MarsCon, but the previous MarsCon. I probably introduced you at some point. I was pro- I was in the vendor room at that point, so probably not. He did the cover of... Rogues and Rebels. Oh, I have That's a story in there. <laughs> okay. So, by the way, there's a few things I do want to reflect back on. Princess asked a question about book signings. I definitely want to answer that. And a yes. lot of the stuff that we have discussed, pretty much everything each of us brought up as a learning point, except maybe for the word thing, all relates back to Aaron's business thing. And I think that's a great thing to spend the last half hour on. Um, but I do want to talk about notebooks up? also. Oh. What, Aaron? I got one quick segue just to talk about your breaking of the rules. Um, who here has seen The Fifth Element? All of us. Anybody not seen it? Hmm? 
Michael, have you it's seen it? a long time. I've seen it. Okay. Fifth Element, okay? Um, and I'm shamelessly stealing this. I did not come up with this, but after reading it, it's one of those epiphanies of realizing, oh, the Fifth Element is not only a great sci-fi novel or a sci-fi movie, it is a parody of a sci-fi movie. Yes. So yes. It, it plays all the rules. You've got the action hero. You've got the villain. You've got the, the space battles. You've got all these tropes that come into play. You've got this plot that's happening. But as you're watching it, in Act 1, they outline everything that's going on there. And then in Act 2, they flip everything on its head. The guy that we thought was the hero turns into the damsel in distress. The villain and the hero never meet each other. Um, all these rules that we learn get broken almost mm -hmm. immediately uh, in there. And then we finish it up at the end where it flips us back on the head again uh, to create this over-the-top parody and give us something back. It's almost like the Princess Bride does as well. This epic fantasy swashbuckling adventure, which is a comedy. And the most quotable movie ever made. Everyone. Oh God! <laughs> I haven't seen it. <laughs> really? Seen. Uh, Michael, really, yeah. grab, grab a group of your friends that have never seen it also and pop it in and then report back. Let me know what you think. Yeah. I want to see that. I want to see The Room. I still haven't seen The Room. I have seen The Room. That's an intense little movie. Interesting. <laughs> um, hey, can uh, I interrupt just real yeah. quick? Um, John Conquest, uh, message me. And we'll set up something about the fairy thing. My, I, my my feed is not working well over here on Twitch. So just message me, private message me, and we'll chat. John, I recommend she's brand new to Discord, but she is in Discord. She's in my channel. You can find her there as Tempe Wade or Facebook. That's probably going to be the best way as opposed to a Twitch message that gets kind of lost. Anyway. Or my, my email is on the website. There you um, go. You can just shoot me, an, uh, shoot me a message that way. There you go. Drop her an email, John. That's probably better. Email is always better than instant messenger. Okay, so let's see. What I've got on my list here is, and I don't know if we can cover this all in the next 20 minutes or so, we've got the business stuff, book signing question. Book signing, yeah. I want to talk about notebooks, which I can do that in 30 seconds. Agents versus self-publishing we kind of covered, and then authors helping slash hating other authors. Mm. So... I'm going to steal the floor real quick and go, look, for you guys out there, I use steno pads for years. Okay, they got a neat line. They're great for lists. You can write on them big while you're driving without looking, etc. Reporter notebooks with my next iteration, it fits in my back pocket. Sticks out this much, but I can put it in my back pocket. You can hold it in one hand while you're driving or walking and not even look at it and write enough, even if one page... It, it, you only get one sentence per page. These are so helpful, especially since people are like, oh, I could just send myself a text message on my phone. Yeah, you can, yeah. but not legally while you're driving. <laughs> you can write something down while driving legally. Um, and also, you don't have to look if you can read your own scrappy handwriting. These are invaluable. I buy them by the dozen off Amazon or from Staples or whatever office supply. And they're also good for a grocery list or a birthday list or whatever besides writing ideas. Something else I'll tell you is don't forget every notebook has a front and a back. So a lot of times I'll put work notes in the back and I'll put writing notes in the front. And then I work towards the middle from both sides. I'm done with that public service message. 
uh, quick note on that, just because it goes back to something Tempe said. She had mentioned an author by name uh, or a book series by name, and we've all done it at various points. Um, one of the things that I've harped on for years is building a reading list. Uh, mm-hmm. If somebody is willing to invest the time to tell you an author by name or a book series by name, it's important to them, and it should be important to you. Um, because you're, it, uh, because it comes up in conversation, uh, and it's one of those, oh, they think that you're going to find interest in this. At the very minimum, just write it down on the buck slip that Travis just showed you and eventually get to it. Pop it on your Amazon wish list, um, and then when you get a chance, read it. You may like it. You may not. Uh, you may find value of it. Uh, at the very moment, you go, hey, I've added it to my wish list, and I'll get to it. How many of us have added a movie on Amazon Prime or Netflix because somebody said, like, pulled up the app right then and there and just added it to our watch list? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah sure. I've done that. Why would Black we do sales. that with a book? <laughs> Black sales is good stuff. <laughs> we, we bought the DVDs. Um, yes. And, uh, but anyhow, okay, so fair point, Aaron. Well done. So we covered notebooks. We covered agents versus self-publishing. What do you guys want to talk about next? Authors helping and hating? Other authors, or the business thing. Oh, book signing. Should do the book signing now. Yes, book Michael, is- go. You're the boss of this one. Okay. Uh, for book signings, uh, there are, there's really no limit. Well, there are limits, but but uh, there there are, there's basically no limits except your imagination for where you can set up a signing, um, except the law. Like some some places you can't set up just outside. Strip clubs are great. Well, uh, the law one. Yeah, um, but uh, one thing I was always uh, there's great places. I think the question was specifically like, what places do you recommend? I think a great first book signing is a cafe. Uh, lots of cafes are free, and um, you know, it being that they don't take a percentage of your books, um, of your book sales, that is. And then there are some great uh, bookstores like McKay Used Books, are is awesome. Um, what time is are, that? In? What was that? Is that a, a single location somewhere? It's a, sing, a single location, but places like it. There's there's some like independent bookstores where they'll be happy to have you, and they won't take a percentage. And then there's other places that w- they will take a percentage, but they're handling the sales aspect of it, and that's nice too. So you can keep your line moving. So it all balances out. So for instance, one of my favorite places is Prospero's in uh, Manassas, in Old Town Manassas. I do signings there all the time. Is that Prospero's or Prospero's, as in Shakespeare, from The Tempest? It is probably Prospero's, but I say Prospero's. <laughs> okay, just checking. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm sure as long as, as long as you go there, I'm sure they're happy. <laughs> <laughs> You're right there. So, uh, yeah, I do, I do uh, outside events there all the time. And uh, let's see, Second and Charles is awesome. Uh, the Woodbridge Second and Charles, you come in, you set up, and um, you handle all your sales. Uh, it's a lot like a convention, except solo, uh, where you have your own personal register. So those are my recommendations. But in terms of um, in terms of just the process, think of where you'd like to go, or think of what you think would be like the cool, like the top, the loftiest aspiration, and then go for it. Don't be a fail. Don't be afraid to fail big. Um, I remember there was this one time I was going to all of the indie places that I loved and all of all of them were f- filled. I don't remember what book it was, but it had come out and I didn't have any book signing slated and I was like, "Oh no." And then I passed by and I was driving around and I passed by Barnes and Noble. And I thought, 
uh, hey, hey, what the heck, you know, because a long time ago I had tried to get in there, but their policy was different. They didn't, um, they didn't let in the indies as Since much. Since they shut down and reopened, life has changed. They're amazing. I love Barnes & Noble. I, I, so I, I went in, I got the information I needed, I called, and in that same day I had three book signings set up in a major event, in a brand new event. It just so happened that they were doing a Meet the Authors uh, festival. And so I had um, three days back to back, and it was, that turned out to be the, um, the release, the launch of World of the Orb. So don't be afraid to feel, feel big. Call the places or go to the places where you would most want to be and see what happens. Nice. I'm going to interrupt real quick. You guys see something in chat right now. Would you like to see a writing category on Twitch? Myself and a few other authors who stream writing on Twitch is trying to get a writer's category. If you click that link, and if you're on the app, you have to open in browser, but otherwise click that link, go vote this. Let's get some attention for this. Let's get a writer's community started. I don't care if you're in my stream or a different writer's stream. Let's support the community that we love, that we're creating, that we are building together. And Shara says, thank you so much, Michael. That helps out a lot. Um, Michael, I also want to ask you, uh, that thing for Barnes & Noble, can you share that back channel with the rest of us? Is that possible? Sure. That would yeah, be great. Yeah. Uh, it, well, it's it's different now. All you got to do is um, call call whichever Barnes & Noble is local to you. Mm -hmm. And they all have, it's a different... Um, it's a different combination of they, it's a certain it's an acronym at the beginning and then it's a certain whatever number because um, now it's regional. Back okay. in the day they had one for like the whole DMV basically, but now uh, they have like regional managers. At Capella University, you're in control of your education with the game-changing FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines and move at your own pace. The faster you move, the more you save. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Tis the season for those irresistible ginger thins, cozy blankets for cuddling by the fire, and making home warm and welcoming. For one-stop holiday shopping, visit your local IKEA or ikea-usa.com slash holiday. Um, who do stuff. And sometimes the store, the store itself um, okay. will organize it with you. So call them up and then they'll, some, some of them like to do it through the email. Some of them you could just call it up and get it set up. Okay, it's, uh, but I'll definitely tag you because I think, let me ask you a quick question. How many of us here, and by the way, for the viewers also, how many of us here are paying more than one bill with their writing income? Can you just raise a hand? And by bill, <laughs> okay, so none of us, right? Is uh, that what I'm getting? Well, freaking my, my Netflix, it pays for my Netflix. That's a bill. <laughs> You know, I, I put all of mine right back into it because I, yeah. I'm, I've got them coming out so fast that any money I make goes right back into the next one because it takes a good chunk to, to put a book out, yeah. uh, for especially for me. By the time you pay for editing, book cover art, um, copyright, all of that stuff. And so right now I'm just at the point I'm just putting it all right back in. But I am getting a steady check every month from Amazon. So Here's the point of that question. We all kind of bit our lip going, uh... <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Here's the deal. It's a business, guys. How many businesses? Aaron, uh, well, by the way, uh, Toey says my income is lump sum, one payment, so really don't. 
pay monthly bills, but it does pay for stuff. And that's what I'm looking for here, guys. That's what I'm telling you. It is paying for Tempe's, some of Tempe's stuff. And Michael kept quiet. Aaron didn't say anything. I did not raise my hand. Hi. Oh, I'm getting the hug. I told you guys I asked for the hug. Yay! I got it! <laughs> it's a chokehold hug. Um, here's what I'm going to tell you guys. It's a business. Businesses start out in the red. That means the negative. It means you're putting out more money than you're taking in. This is a business. You're a creative person. You're a smart person. It's a business. You do not make money right away. You get a return on the investment you're putting in. If the only investment you're putting in is writing it, you're not putting enough in to be a successful business. I do address this in 27 Thoughts on Writing. Briefly, one page per topic. It's a business. Let's talk business. And in the last couple minutes, I will totally rant about authors shitting on other authors instead of helping them. Because, or maybe we'll just, you know what, maybe we'll, we'll talk business right now. Because that's hard lessons. Tempe, I want to take that topic and make it a, a different topic for a different show. Okay. Okay? So okay. maybe we won't even address that tonight. But that that is, that hit me hard when I saw that on your Instagram. Which, by the way, Tempe, feel free to post your Instagram here. Get some other people following you on Instagram. My Instagram okay. is down below. Guys, please put your social media if you have something for your writing. Spam it right now in our last 15 minutes. Let's talk business. Aaron, what the hell are you talking about? Writing's a business? That makes no sense. Writing's a business. And don't you bore us with stuff. Be creative. Help us. Okay. You're a small business owner. You basically open a new car, uh, a new car dealership. And uh, when you, if you're like me, you've got a car on the lot. <laughs> and you're trying to sell that car. And it might be a Honda Civic from 1979, but you've got to sell it. They didn't exist until 86, uh, okay? Okay, hey. Look, I write time travel novels. It exists when I say it <laughs> Fair point. Go on. Nice. And eventually, but if you freaking develop more product, which your book is, it's Can a that product. be the next Back to the Future movie where they take a Honda Civic to 76? That would be awesome. Go on. <laughs> the Civic of 76? That's the title. <laughs> okay, so... Um, uh, you made him well, lose his train of thought. <laughs> no, no. I'm just trying not to laugh because I was like, oh, yeah, because really the uh, the next Fast and the Furious movie is Fast and the Furious 9. They go back in time and kill Hitler. <laughs> With a Honda Civic. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, a few emission standards. <laughs> So, uh, you're trying to build products. Your book is a product. Anything that we type in is a product. You want the product to be as good as possible. Whether it's a McBurger or Dr. Pepper or whatever, you want that product to be good so that you can showcase it on your lot. And then what people see is they're walking by your convention or your web page. They're looking at that brand, which is us. Um, and I kind of highlight, go ahead, Travis. Real quick. As you guys are listening to Aaron, because this is good stuff, something else I'm going to tell you. You know that saying, all roads lead to Rome? When marketing your business, your brand, your book, all links lead to blank. Where do you want every person to go to? So I don't care if you have an Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, 
Snapchat, Twitch, etc., everything points to one final end of the funnel. That is a funnel leading your customer to, you decide, if it points in 15 different places, you're failing yourself. Go on, Aaron. Okay, so brand, and we talked a little bit about it earlier, but who's driven down 95 and seen those big Marine Corps road uh, uh, advertisements, the uh, the billboards, another dying technology. Army of One? Uh, they haven't had the Army of One uh, thing for years that, because no, the guy that was... That, Army, not Marine Corps. <laughs> but uh, the Marine Corps is very, very good at branding. They, they have these nice billboards. They don't have to just say what we do, but you know what we do. Still a bad because haircut. Because they've got... Hmm? Still a bad haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Okay, Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, it's branding. And it's one of those, oh, they've got this very perfected image of what they want to present. Um, which is what we as authors want to do for whether it's our So considering or- the time we have left in tonight's show, I'm going to ask each of you the one key point in branding slash marketing. Branding is the arrow that points to your marketing, or marketing is the broad spectrum that you funnel into branding. Branding stamps your marketing as you, so you're recognizable. That's what branding is, just so everybody knows. Aaron, one thing, what's important? You need a moment? I can go to Michael. I know he's got yep, an answer. Yep, go ahead. Um, I guess uh, be the type of author that you'd most want to follow. Put out the types of things that you'd most want to see yourself. What's that mean? Are you talking about uh, content in books or what? Content, the content uh, beyond the page. The okay. content that extends the experience of your books to other platforms. The multimedia. So you want to create an experience and create a friendship beyond um, beyond just what's on the page. So not your drama, people. What If you looked at somebody that you wanted to meet, what draws you to that person? That's what you're putting mm-hmm. out there. Okay, You're putting yeah. out that optimism or that darkness or that mysteriousness or that uh, angst. Whatever it is, it draws you to what you want. That's what you're. Is that what you're saying, Michael? Am I getting that right? I guess, and just be real. You know, mm-hmm. uh, don't don't be too don't be too self-aware about it. Um, just right put, put out it. put out cool stuff. Be have it be clean, but and and uh, and on brand, um, which is not a the brand concept is not something that I've thought about actively. Something I've thought about subconsciously. But um, yeah, put out put out stuff that that's cool but real. And represents you, I guess. Yeah. And by the way, by clean, do you mean no swear words, or do you mean clean as in a tight copy? A tight, yeah. I was, okay. I was tight, but if you're yeah. if you're brand, you know, like me, if if you write if you write kids books and you want right. to be clean or family friendly, uh, in that but, sense. Then, by the yeah, way, I'll point out he said kids books, which he means young adult. <laughs> no, I write Chicken Boys for <laughs> Chicken Boys for like ten year olds. But World so. of the Orb is definitely young adult as opposed yeah, to Yeah, it's still clean. It's still a good he family hits 26, book. They're all fucking There's one kids beheading. Now. <laughs> but other than that, we're good. Oh, by the way, one. Do you Just have one? Win- do you have Winslow right there? You couldn't do it to him again? <laughs> Michael, do you have Winslow beside you? 
Yeah, I got one. Hold that up for me, please. There we go. Guys, this is probably my favorite Michael Thompson book right here. It is fun and witty and clever. And hot damn, when he does an audio book, I'm purchasing it just to hear him read his own (laughs) work. It is good, fun stuff. Mez says, I had some 40-something kids in my shop tonight, sloppy drunk. Okay, that's called Talk of the Tavern. (laughs) Monday night. Tempe, your thing. Uh, I branded myself with a logo. Um, it's on book two. You have it there. Um, it's, I make sure that it's on every cover of my series. It's on my business cards. It's on my bookmarks. What? Uh, move it over. <laughs> move it over, Travis. Camera. Uh, no, okay, okay. Camera. I've got two there cameras go. here, guys. Yeah. But I'm holding yes, it up for the one. viewers. Go. No, I got to yeah, hold it up for the it. viewers. What are they okay. looking at? Oh. What is the brand? Okay, that, that's that's the symbol that I had designed for my book cover, and I put it on everything. I put it on my business cards, my personal cards. It's on my phone. I have it everywhere. And no. so when somebody sees Smart. that, they what know it's What you're talking about mine. is the sword with the Celtic knot tree leaves, right? The whole thing. Yes, yes, the oh, whole with, thing. The whole it, circle. Gorgeous. With the wreath around it. Okay. Yes. Branding, yes. guys. Thank you. In Talk of the Tavern, you'll notice around each one of us is that tavern sign logo. If you look at my Twitch channel, that is repeated again and again and again. Look down at the tavern tokens below your chat. Go look at the logo up above the screen. That is branding. That is the golden arches of McDonald's. That is the Mickey Mouse ears. That is branding. One thing that immediately makes you go... Oh, that's that thing. Smart. Can I just can I just say one other little yeah, quick thing? Please. You know, for the for the viewers that don't know, I had surgery a couple of weeks ago, and um had I have a scar. My scar is forming in the uh, in the shape of a sword. Whoa! <laughs> nice. Yes, it's pretty awesome. I'm like, oh so, my goodness. Can you show it on camera. Uh, you can't see it right okay. now because it's still healing and it's still kind of funky, but so, it's definitely it's the shape of a sword. Do you, do you have any <laughs> tattoos right now? I do not. Would you consider getting that scar tattooed with your brand around it? Well, it's right here on my like little pinky finger. So I'm I don't sure know how the hell you're doing that. That's crazy talk, woman. <laughs> What's wrong with you? But I have considered. I have considered getting that symbol tattooed somewhere. Maybe. Hmm. Maybe one day. Maybe if I sell enough books. <laughs> there we go. There we go. There we go. Okay, Aaron. We're back to you. Pressure's on. Uh, be consistent on the amount of product you're putting out. Um, I've had a three-year hiatus, uh, but friggin if you're not producing, you're you're not a business. Mm. Um, That's true. That is true. Okay, I'm going to take you from here and build on what Aaron just told you. From my years of research, and and Aaron can attest to me coming to him, and now. Michael and poor Tempe are going to be subjected to this crap now that they decided to work with me on this project of Right Night. I've done a lot of research. I research my genres before I publish. Um, Not that I'm writing to market, but you have to know the market before you write. To write steampunk right now, so sorry to steampunk fans, it's not selling. You can write all you want, doesn't mean you're going to create a success. You can be the exception to the rule. But here's what I'm telling you. Short stories don't sell. They're a delightful interlude. They're great writing practice. They don't make 
money. If you want to pay your bills by writing, it's not the way to go. Of course, exceptions always apply. What I'm telling you right now is consistency, as Aaron just said. Series, as Tempe has demonstrated. These are what sells. When somebody buys one thing, John right here says, I totally agree. We've been compiling work for two years, so we have work to release each month. As comics, which is what Conquest Publish focuses on, series is king. If somebody <clears throat> reads your work and goes, oh, I can buy this next thing, because I know it's like the first thing. Now, if you have three, ser three in your series, five in your series, whatever, sure, now they can jump over to your other series because they know you, your style, your thing well enough. This is what I'm going to tell you what I have learned. I have I've been published in over 40 different books. It's more than 40. I have published 20 or so of my own. None of them in a series. There is no consistency. Somebody reads one thing of mine, they don't know what to buy next because they don't know if it's the same or different. So that's what I'm telling you. If you're going to write and you want to start paying bills, as a business owner, consistency in your product is important. If you want to offer a different product line, establish your first line first. Uh, there's an author, uh, Tom Holt, okay, uh, British, British or Australian, I can never remember. Well, we got three minutes, uh, so. Yep. Uh, he writes comedy novels. He's kind of a Terry Pratchett-esque kind of guy. But he also writes historical novels, and on those, he writes them as Thomas Holt. Uh, because he's maintaining a brand on one side and maintaining a brand on the other, uh, and never the two shall meet. Interesting. Or if, or if you look at, like, Everybody's got an AC in their house. You got Carrier, Payne, and Bryant. They're the same company. They're made in the same plant. They're just different tiers of product. And this is something to go out there. Travis does the same thing with who he publishes under himself, what he does for his joke books, and what he does for his children's books. Pen names, yeah. He separates them. Yeah, it's all me, but it's it's different branding. And there's pros and cons on that that we will talk in in a different yeah. episode. I want to thank all you guys who came in and hung out with us. Thank you so much. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for your interaction. Thank for the you, new, guys. Yeah, yes, for the thanks. new people I met. Forrest, Sammy, thank you for coming in, saying hello, questioning. Michael. Yeah, thank you, Forrest. Tempe. So happy that you decided to jump in and join me here. Um, this was great. Yes. I am looking forward to more weeks of this. I have asked that these folks turn up at least once a month here on Right Night, though I have welcomed them as much as they can handle. So mm -hmm. we'll see who it was. Mez, Cold Brew, both of you. Here's to everybody. And here's the bottom line, guys. Before we take our drink here, create. Be happy. Produce something that means something to you. Beyond that, we'll worry about it being next day. Create. Cheers. Hello, creativity. Uh, glad it helped. We will be discussing different topics. First of all, we'll always be creative to help us warm up and connect with people. Second, we'll always be technical. And we are out, and I don't have a closing song. So, <laughs> have a great night, guys. I uh, may or may not be back 
in a little bit to do a little writing. But I'll definitely be on tomorrow. And then tomorrow night, don't forget, we have Stealing for Survival, D&D game, guest DM by Aaron right there. And then Monday night, we have Talk of the Tavern. So, okay. Uh, I have a cheers emote, Mez, right here. Here's my cheers emote right there. <laughs> have a good night, guys. Thank you for hanging out. At Capella University, education is as smart as the world around us. With the FlexPath format, you can take classes at your own pace, set your own deadlines, and even leverage your previous experience to move faster. Now that's smart. Learn more at capella.edu.